Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Easter is coming up, and I just can't wait to have the whole family in one place. And of course, what's Easter without an awesome Easter brunch? Now, I don't know about your family, but mine is a little picky, and I really wanted to impress them with something delicious. A friend told me I should check out Total Wine and More. It was crazy. They must have every wine and beer imaginable. I told one of their friendly experts my situation, and they found me just the thing. This sparkling wine is going to be absolutely perfect for brunch, even with my picky family. I know next time I need something, I'm shopping at Total Wine and More. Welcome, everyone, to the NBA podcast presented by B-Ball Breakdown. I'm Brian Toporek, and joining me today, as always, are Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. How are you guys? Doing good, for the most part. Doing well, Brian. Sarah, I don't believe that for a second. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Sarah here is our Spurs expert. And since we've talked to her the last time, the Spurs have been knocked out of the playoffs, unfortunately. They met their demise at the hands of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance in a six game series it looks like at first that the spurs were just going to rampage through the thunder they beat them by 30 plus points in game one but then the series really turned around in game two and the thunder never looked back save for a game three setback so sarah i'm curious what happened where was the turning point in that series the turning point may have been when stephen adams said uh after was it game two or game three, in which he had it was game three, I think he had two points, and mm-hmm. yeah, after game the game, three. yeah, after the game, he said to reporters, you know, that he was focusing on defense, but that he needed to provide a little bit more offense as well. He said, "Got to do both, mate." And for the rest <laughs> of the series, <laughs> for the rest of the series, he did both. And not only that, but you know. I think everyone knows what happened, right? The Spurs got destroyed on the boards, and they got destroyed off the bench, somewhat surprisingly. And that was the series right there. Let's not forget the refs here. Not that I'm putting it all in the feet of the refs, but this was a weak-ass series in terms of refereeing. Like, so yeah. many missed calls, weird calls, not even picking up obvious fouls. It was it was weird. I'm not trying to be the apologist and and say that San Antonio would have won the series. I don't think they would have because Mm -hmm. Oklahoma just 
came in and like you said Brian dominated on the on the boards or, or Sarah you said dominated on the boards and and kept themselves in it but holy hell that was just so bad refing almost throughout it's kind of embarrassing for the league yeah I mean you can make the argument <clears throat> so there was the game two the debacle at the end with Dion inbounding to Manu and like five missed calls and you can make the argument that San Antonio should have gotten the ball there, down one, 13 seconds left. I mean, even still, they had a three-on-one fast break. They should have scored there. And that could have been them up 2-0 going to OKC. OKC needs to win four of the next five. So that changes the complexion of the series entirely. And then game five, inbound, Westbrook gets the ball. Kawhi, like, shoulder tackles him, and they don't call. <laughs> and then he gets the and one, and puts him up four with a couple seconds left, basically clinches that game. So, Morton, to your point, I think that's fair. Like, there's the series is not all that far away from being 2-0 San Antonio and just having a totally different look. And I think that's the thing that is driving me a little crazy is I've just been seeing on Twitter so many people, like, dumping on the Spurs and burying the Spurs. But aside from game one and game six, like, all of these games came down to the last possession. Like, it was yeah. not a blowout series either way. And just because, like, you know, San Antonio won 67 games and they were supposed to meet the Warriors, so it's a little disappointing that their season ended in the second round. But let's not act like OKC is a bad team by any means. Like, this is a great team that was just really inconsistent. And then, finally, after getting blown out in Game 1, like, they put it together for the, probably their, for their best five-game stretch. So all the Spurs slander needs to stop. I'm going to stick up for Sarah here and just say it's, you know, they, they have some needs for sure. And I, this is not a perfect roster by any means, but it's not, they're not nearly as far off as public perception would have you believe. Well, people are just pissed because they wanted to see Golden State and San Antonio in the conference finals. Mm-hmm. They wanted to see the two best teams go head to head. And I get that. Simply because you're not going to get like a fair representation of the best brand of basketball in the NBA Finals. So they wanted to see the two primary candidates go at it at some point. And until further notice, that is like the San Antonio Spurs being better than Oklahoma City Thunder. Now we can actually begin to make the argument, is the Thunder the better team or are the Thunder the better team? I I don't have an answer for that. It was just a bad series for San Antonio. But Mm -hmm. in the end... People wanted to see that specific matchup. Like, remember how much that Spurs-Warriors series had been hyped? Yeah. Even before the playoffs? Like, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. Right. Like, I've said it. You've said it. Sarah said it. Yeah, well, Sarah, you're so kind. You you opened the door for everyone. To be. <laughs> now, now like, let me ask you this, Sarah. Here's a team that finally, in some regards, features Spurs. And I, I'm pretty sure you you didn't think that, was ha- that would happen, right? No, this year I didn't. I really, yeah. I mean, I, I'm always open to the possibility. I, like I said, before I made my uh, wonderful Spurs and five pick, um, <laughs> I said at the same time, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if they lost, and I'm not. Uh, but no, I thought that they should get through the Thunder this year. But as Brian mentioned, the Thunder were completely inconsistent all year. Or if anything, they were consistently disappointing especially in fourth quarters Mm -hmm. so yeah and then all of a sudden they're closing better than the Spurs though to be fair like I mentioned earlier as well the Spurs 
haven't been the Spurs that we know this year no. as far as closing. And, you know, they didn't have to close a lot of close games this year. But, but when they had to, you, know, you could tell that, you know, they didn't have the same things to fall back on as they usually have had. And they did try, like, the same plays that they often run, but there's different pieces running them. So it was mm-hmm. a little different for them this year, too. But no, I'm not. I, I'm also happy to let you bring up Morton the the officiating. It was a poorly officiated series. <laughs> like the whole playoffs haven't been good this year. <laughs> and I was gonna say on our last podcast that it's gonna cost somebody a big game eventually, and I didn't. But it, I mean, <laughs> you know, it it's true that there are always a bunch of things that each team could do better. But when you have a game that's, you know, especially in the playoffs, it's kind of evenly played. They both make about the same amount of mistakes, and then it kind of gets tipped by a call here or there at the end. That's why I told you guys that I didn't want to play that team. And you all <laughs> laughed at me, you yeah, jerks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I told you. We forced you to be cocky, and as soon as you got cocky, yep. Sam yep. That's what lost. Happened. So See? this isn't on you. This is on this is on Brian and mm-hmm. I. Yeah. I, can get, I can get behind that. That's fair. Yep. That's well, fair. It's all you. Our See? teams didn't make the yeah. playoffs, so this was our this is our way to have a rooting interest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah. They're, they're gonna get the calls. You know, the free throws in more of the games. There was a game that the Spurs had like 20 more free throws than the Thunder, which is an aberration. But mm-hmm. other than that, it went about the way I expected it to go. But they didn't deserve to win. They didn't play well enough. So here we are. Yeah, Sarah, I want to give you credit because you did say even heading into the playoffs, the Spurs offense was not as fearsome as we have gotten mm-hmm. used to, especially like, you know, you think of the 2014 finals where they just completely dissected Miami. And yeah, yep. that especially late game against OKC, it turned into strangely like isolation basketball, which is what you expect yep. from OKC more than San Antonio. So were there any adjustments that you would have liked to see Pop make earlier? Like he turned to Boban in game six, but that didn't go so hot. And even tried Kawhi at the four a little bit. Like Tony Parker literally never, ever, 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 ever guarding <laughs> Russell Westbrook. Yeah. You know, I, he could have probably tried Bovon a little sooner, but I didn't expect him to. <laughs> like, coming into the season, that was a slight uh, question for me, was the fact that there really was no center on the roster except Bovon, and you yeah. pretty much knew Pop probably wouldn't play him much in the playoffs. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you thought maybe it'll be okay because, you know, the league's going small ball, but it, it turned out to be a problem. It, you know, I don't think it's a big deal that Pop didn't play him that much even though he has experience you know overseas even though he's 27 years old Pop's not gonna throw him into that kind of a series you just knew he wouldn't so and and there's no one else to go to um I may have liked to see him try to keep David Weston and and Boris Dio not in together because that did not work out well but there again, it's a thin front line, really. I mean, it, they're short. They're all small. There's there's right. not a lot of options there. Um, what I can explain is, like, Patty Mills, all of a sudden, he didn't even get up a lot of shots, you know? It was weird mm, the way that yeah. he played. Um, David West, that elbow jumper that he was automatic all season long, almost all career long, it wasn't going in, you know? Mm-hmm. Things just... The bench fell off a cliff. 
there's not a lot Pop could have done in that scenario. It just happened. So, oh well. And and Kyle Anderson guarding yeah. Kevin Durant on t- yep. at times not really mm. not, something I want to see go forward for the, for the Spurs. No, not not, not idea. ideal. Nope. <laughs> no. Yeah, but he did well in spots. You know, he uses his leg. Yeah. But yeah, no, you don't want to see too much of that. Andre Miller. I just realized Andre Miller had more minutes played than Boban. Wow. Oh. How did oh. that happen? It's only by one more minute, uh, but still, oh, okay. like, That's not great. I mean, Boban played 19 minutes in this series, and Andre Miller and Kevin Martin both played 20. Boban was the guy of everyone who played who played the least amount of minutes. That's weird, especially given the amount of time you had Steven Adams in there. Yeah. Yeah, like, once they started getting beat on the boards that badly, I figured we'd get a little more Boban early. So mm. that, that was my big surprise, even though he got, I mean... He got beat like a racehorse once they put him in there. Like, they just targeted him in pick and roll every time. He got mm-hmm. three quick fouls. Like, I, I forget. He was minus 13, I want to say, in game six. Like, he was, he was not a, a big positive. But even just trying that a little bit earlier at least lets you know, like, okay, that's that's not the adjustment we're, <laughs> we're going to make. I don't want to be that guy, but R.C. Buford, executive of the year. We're going to go back to this for a second you know <laughs> yeah he is St- you know stop yourself stop yourself Brian. i'm just saying like it took one adjustment from billy donovan to start playing adams and Cantor, and the spurs were just done like okay yeah. okay sure deserving executive of the year though you know i mean I, there's nothing pop i agree there's nothing pop like could really do because as sarah said like they don't have a real center to bang up against uh, you know, against uh, that Cantor Adams front line, it seemed like this roster was assembled to compete with the Warriors much more so than the, the Thunder. And once the Thunder exploited that size advantage, it was over. Yeah, you're forgetting about Tim, though. Come on. I mean, he- here's the thing: you just, you never, you, none of us knew that Tim would not produce. Yeah. We all knew that during the regular season he was going to play limited minutes and not get an, uh, a whole bunch of shots. But we all expected him to deliver in the playoffs. Like this was this was not just us; it was everyone. Everyone expected Tim to become the double double guy again in the playoffs, and it just didn't happen. And then suddenly you had this gap because Duncan was sort of the forgotten player, and he couldn't even deliver being the forgotten player. Like you just switched off of him, and he could he couldn't do anything basically. Which is like I'm I'm about to cry when yeah. I say these words in connection to Tim Duncan because yeah. that just does not fit together. But we're forgetting the fact that everyone counted on him. Like I get what you're saying, Ryan. Totally, I get it. But we're forgetting about Tim here. He was a part of that plan. Like yeah. RC Buford, Greg Popovich, they were hoping this guy could come in and be like not necessarily the old Tim Duncan, but did they expect him to shoot 36% from the floor? No. I mean, jeez. Uh no, I, but insurances, yeah, they should have had insurance. I yeah, I mean, you're counting on a 40-year-old. Like, you know, he's timeless, yeah. and he's he has not fallen off on a per 36-minute rate ever. But, again, he's 40. Like, at some point, it's going to happen. So they were really playing <laughs> with fire here. We've said that for six years. Yeah, but, you know, at some point, it had to happen. It looked like it finally yeah, did this right. year. But that... That begs the question, Sarah. So now the talk is of Tim. Was that his last game? Was that Manu's last game? Do you have any sense of whether those guys are coming back next year? 
I have no sense. I don't even want to speculate, really. <laughs> I just want them to do whatever they want to do, honestly. They don't owe us anything. And I don't, you know, I, you know, how some people in the media <laughs> will say, oh, this guy's done, or, you know, he needs to hang it. No. I just think that's so disrespectful to say about a professional athlete. You know, we don't know. We don't know how a guy's feeling. So. I don't know. I'll have a lot of words to say once we get final word from either one of them. But until yep. then, I don't really want to say too much. Then I'm going to go on the record. Go for it, Morton. I think Tim is back. Wow. Because I think I think losing this series in the way that he lost this, I think he is so dissatisfied. And I think that we as an NBA community has never really appreciated Tim for the competitor that he is. Mm-hmm. And I would suspect that this loss, and especially the way it went down, leaves such a bad taste in his mouth that he is sitting there going, not like this. Even though he's the quiet guy and who never makes a fuss, never jumps up, says anything loud, he's sitting there and he is seething. Yeah. He's hating every freaking minute of this right now. And I, th- I think he's looking himself in the mirror and going, you know what? I don't care. I, I don't even care if I average the same numbers next year and if I don't shoot well from the floor. I need to be in there and go further and, and know that everything was left out on the floor collectively. Mm. That's that's my belief. I, I believe Tim Duncan is one of the most hardcore professional competitors we've ever seen, even though he doesn't show it like in, in on his face and, and in his words. And, and I don't think we should underestimate just how, how badly this stings. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, personally, selfishly, I hope they're both back just because I feel like this season was the whole, like the whole season was just the Kobe retirement tour and we didn't really get a <laughs> sense to appreciate like, oh wait, this might be Tim's last season too. This might be Manu's last season. Like, Tim, he's a better overall player than Kobe, right? Like, he had a better career than Kobe. He has a much more lasting impact, despite not, like, having however many scoring titles. But, like, if you're going to put, you know, Bill Simmons, like, pyramid of basketball, Tim Duncan is ahead of Kobe. So for us to, like, give this whole, like, season-long farewell for Kobe and then being like, oh, oh, my God, it's game six. Wait, this might be the last time we ever see Tim Duncan? Like, what what like i want <laughs> I, and i know tim is not the type of person that wants a whole season long farewell like he just wants to silently like this if that was how he went out he would much rather just go out quietly at a playoff game like not even get pulled ceremonially with a minute left like he, that's i loved that yes i absolutely loved that he finished on the floor whether it was his last game or not i loved it yeah and that's yeah. that's what he would want i would think I mean, he mm-hmm. even said after the game that, like, Pop asked him if he wanted to go back in. He's like, hell yeah, I do. I, I always want to play. So that's – even if he comes back, we're not going to give him this whole, like, showering with him with praise the whole season. But I would like the entire NBA community to have a chance to say, oh, Tim, you were great too. Like, Kobe, <laughs> he was great. You were great. Let's Let's share the love a little bit. So hopefully he comes back. The word is from ESPN's Mark Stein that they might go after Mike Conley in free agency. Sarah, what do you think about that? And are there any other major needs that you would like to see them address? I think they should definitely take a look at Mike Conley, see what his interest is. And I think they will. 
I just don't know. Well, he probably won't come. <laughs> that's that's the yeah. Spurs fan mentality, even though we finally got a free agent to come last year. But if he did, what do they do with Tony? Like, I can't see yeah. Pop. You know, he's not going to move him. And I don't right. think that he's going to bring him off the bench either. So that would be very interesting to me. I don't know. But, yeah, I, I would love for Mike Conley to come here. That's been um, – I think I think we've talked about that before. The needs have been the same for almost the entire time I've been a Spurs fan. They needed a center and you know, they've had guys filling that role since David retired. Uh Oberto was one of my favorites, but yeah, they've never had like, you know, a great center. They've always needed more help um penetrating. You know, they've needed backup mm-hmm. point guards a lot of time. We've got Patty now, who is more shooter than creator, um, and he's great at what he does. But yeah, he, you know, he needs help uh, to get an offense going. And Manu has always been there to do that with him in the second unit. But Manu's getting older. <laughs> you know, they're gonna at some point right. need to replace what he does. Tony obviously is getting older too. So those are the main needs. Um, would be somebody to create offense to get into the middle of the paint. And another another big, a real big, and um, some more, a couple more shooters. But um, can I just say that I, I'm angry with Aaron Baines and his agent and the Pistons <laughs> for depriving us of Aaron Baines versus yeah. Stephen Adams. How much fun would that have been? Oh my god, that would have been so good. Oh my! I like yeah, no. Don't get me so. wrong. Like Stephen Adams is much more agile. <laughs> he can move better. He probably still would have gotten the better of that. But it just would have been fun to see them collide. Like you know, the Aussie and the Kiwi. Oh yeah. Plus, wasn't I think Aaron? <laughs> I think Aaron was actually born in New Zealand, but he claims Australia. There's something interesting there. No, but that oh, would have been okay. hell of a lot of fun. I yeah. like the uh, Fabricio Alberto name drop right there. I yeah, actually have a pretty. Good. <laughs> I, I have a pretty I have a pretty great story about that. Uh, back in I think 2007 or 2008, uh, during the summer, I, I was uh, working at like a daycare center, and there was this guy who was a Spurs fan actually, and he was completely high on Alberto, and we had some talks, and then he started like opening up a little bit, and he said, "You know what? I'm gonna tell you something. Fabricio Alberto is better than Prime Kevin Garnett." take it take it down a notch big fella take it down a notch that's 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 not no 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 no. and yeah so he went on a 20 minute long rant about how fabricio alberto was better than prime kevin garnett and for like a year i had so much trouble like just respecting alberto because that (laughs) that rant was just stuck in the back of my head but when it finally got out it's like yeah okay this is a terrific player but oh man that was Wow. delusional Spurs, Spurs fan in Denmark apparently wow. that's it's pretty crazy yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah I love Fabby but yeah wow yeah, <laughs> yeah. prime KG weird. might be a stretch <laughs> yeah I think so oh his pick and roll defense is better than no it's not his pick and roll defense wasn't better than KG's stop yourself wow. Dean oh, well, we're crazy maybe, people maybe they'll just bring him back this summer but we'll we'll keep an eye on the Spurs they definitely loom <laughs> They, you know, they, there's talk of Kevin Durant maybe wanting to go there. So they will be one of the more interesting destinations to keep an eye on. want to change gears for a second. And since the Western Conference Finals are set, should talk about 
what we're going to get with Warriors Thunder. I think the first thing we got to ask is Russ versus Steph. How's that going to go? Who who wins that battle? Oh, man. I mean, obviously I'm going to pick Stephen Curry, but this is going to be a really tough one because it, it really depends on what kind of Russell Westbrook you're getting. Mm-hmm. Like, what's... At, at what what kind of aggression is he playing with? Is he looking to score? Is he looking to facilitate? Is he mm-hmm. towing the line between the two? What kind of Russell Westbrook are we gonna see? If he's the if he's like the Russell Westbrook who's gonna look at Stephen Curry and take the whole matchup personally, then holy hell, I wouldn't want to be Curry simply because you would have to establish yourself defensively to like a perverse degree, right? Which would leave him shorthanded fatigue wise offensively i think especially coming off the injury but no i mean i still gotta choose the mvp i mean he can shoot russ to death and if he backs off a little bit and russ is silly enough to keep taking the long ball which could happen then yeah this is definitely steph coach nick has done a video on bebo breakdown about steph being underrated defensively so it's not like russ is gonna torch steph like he did to Tony Parker, whenever he was on him. Yeah, I agree. I I mean, Curry is quick. He's agile, got quick hands. So, yeah, he, he's, he's got to put up a fight. But mm-hmm. you just know that regardless of how good you are defensively, if Russ feels it and yeah. he's got the mojo going, he's got the speed going, and he feels it, I mean, how do you stop that, dude? He's like a blur, an right. insanely strong athletic blur. It's... It, I... I, I I wish for myself to just be on the NBA court for one possession and just to stare down Russell Westbrook, just to have a full appreciation of just how strong and quick he is. I mean, my head would spin so quick it would snap. Yeah, sure. you, you wouldn't even have a chance to see him before he blew by you and dunked on your head. Exactly. Yeah, I'd, I'd be okay with actually just standing on this sideline watching that happen yep. to you. <laughs> exactly. The, yeah. I'll get a, a sense for how quick he is that way, because I don't want him ever coming at me. No, yeah, he's terrifying. I think, Morton, you touched on like the good rust, bad rust thing, and that's, that's my question, because we saw bad rust in Game 3 against San Antonio, and then it seemed like he was in his head a little bit in Game 4 when KD went off for 41, but Russ was, I think he had 14 points on 5 of 18. Then Games 5 and 6, we got, like, the full good Russ again. Like, he was aggressive. He settled for a couple bad shots here and there, but he definitely was looking to push the tempo at every chance. Like, every rebound, he was just flying up the court. So I think that's what you have to do against the Warriors because they're going to score on you. It's a question of can you score 100 back on them we will see about russ and steph sarah having just watched kd for six games who do you think guards him uh, in golden state i think maybe they throw clay at him they're probably gonna mix it up clay um iguodala he'll just try everything i bet if i had to Mm -hmm. guess try to mix it up on him it's so strange that you know he didn't have a good first round at all he wasn't even great against the spurs except you know every now and then he just went supernova and there's you know that's what he's gonna do and there will be nothing that you can do about it the good thing for the warriors is they have other people who can also go supernova so i don't you know it's it's gonna be a fun series but one reason that this spurs loss frankly doesn't even register on the pain scale for me is that for the first time in probably four years 
I didn't really think they had a good chance to win the championship. At least not a great chance. I did not think they were the best team because Warriors. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, they're the favorites, no question. But I still think this is going to be an intriguing series. There's a lot of fun matchups. If if Russell can go back at Steph and kind of just get him on his heels, maybe wear him down. I mean, the guy has ridiculous stamina, Steph, but he has just yeah. been out, you know, for a while. So mm-hmm. if he could, you know, you never know. If Russ can try to wear him down. But the, my question for you guys, do you think that the two point guards will guard each other very much or will it get mixed up? That's a good question. Yeah, that is a good question. I, I could probably see Clay taking times on Russ at times, like mm-hmm. depending on matchups and if, if it's a half court set. And I could even see the Warriors go into a, kind of a zone defense at times if they if they have a lineup out there where Durant is on the bench but Russ is in because he's not a strong shooter. I, you know, it's it's a good question. I, I think they're going to get matched up plenty overall in the series, but not procession by possession mm-hmm. necessarily. Um, yeah, it seems like Steve Kerr is just too clever to, to like play his hand up front and it's like, okay, you're you're gonna guard this guy full time. No, he likes to switch it up and preferably on the run, and he adjusts accordingly all the time. Which is why I think it's so tough to play against Golden State. I mean, you you may have them figure out on your own accord in the first quarter, but then they'll mix it up in the second and third, and then when the fourth quarter rolls around, you're so confused that you don't really know where you have them at. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is not really who who um, who guards Westbrook. It's really Durant, as you guys touch upon, and mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a combination like you you guys said, like Iggy, Harrison Barnes, Draymond, Clay. They're just going to throw a shit ton of players at him and see who does it best, and then they're going to switch. And if Durant plays off the pick and roll, they're going to have defenders leaning a little bit back, and oh man, they they're going to have so many ways of just defending everyone on, on yeah. OKC. And that's really going to be the calling card for Golden State this series. Defense, defense, defense. I think the offense is going to survive either way. For sure. Yeah, that versatility is going to be super, super clutch. Especially, I mean, if they keep, if OKC keeps Andre Robertson in the starting lineup, you don't you just leave him alone? Don't you just say, you know what, if you hit three threes against us, then we might adjust, but... Until then, yeah. we're just going to double KD and we're going to double Russ and we're going to let you stand in the corner and like force him to beat you. You know, like could you don't... could you put like Curry on him to save him? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I don't, I don't think you defend him. Like I don't think you give him that respect until he starts making you pay for it. Like I think you, you, you know, put Clay and Steph on Russ or like swing Clay into a double with Durant in a Russ. Durant pick and all that kind of thing like I yeah I don't think he his offensive firepower merits a full-time defender until he can have a game like he did against the Spurs in game six where he actually did knock down a couple shots but Russ and Durant are way too damn dangerous so I think you put almost all of your focus on them and then if the complimentary guys start beating you that's that's when you maybe adjust but I'm wondering also, like, say OKC takes one of those first two games, does Golden State alter its starting lineup and throw Iggy there instead of Barnes? Because I feel like nah. Iggy's going to be the best matchup against KD, and I feel like you're going to almost have to 
mirror minutes. Like whenever KD's on the court, Iggy's got to be on the court. So maybe you throw, throw him in, and then Barnes can be your shooter off the bench. Like maybe that will get him going offensively a little bit. Well, if you call Barnes a shooter, I, I've really been down on Barnes overall. Yeah. I think he's yeah. become a little bit overrated, and that's not to be hard on Barnes, but everyone is like assuming he's going to get this max deal. And you know he just might, but when you look at what he's producing out there, I'm I'm not all that impressed. Uh, yeah. I, I could get why, yeah, you would make that switch. I, I don't think Kerr is a guy who would, yeah, I'm not going to say panic, but I don't think he's the type of guy who would just make lineup changes just for the hell of it. Um, mm-hmm. But if it makes sense and if, if he feels they really got smoked at that matchup, yeah, sure. I, I, I could see him adjust, but I think he's going to stick with it. And then, I mean, when you, when you like you mentioned, Bri, when you're starting a game with Andre Robertson, on the opposing team, you 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 can hide guys yeah. so well, and you can save guys' energy. And you can, I mean, I would probably start Curry up on Robertson just to like get his, you know, let, let him focus on offense, and then he can basically freestyle from there. And that's a huge huge advantage going into any game. Um, so I I think you really can have a ripple effect in that regard. But yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't put it past him, no, but I doubt it still. Yeah. Something that I'm going to keep an eye out on. The only other big question that I have is, for OKC, who covers Draymond? Do you put Ibaka on him at first, or do you go right to Adams? Man. Yeah, (laughs) man. That's the best answer out there. Like, you have no one who can really guard Draymond on OKC. Mm -hmm. Like, Ibaka can, can get to him when he goes inside, but Draymond is so clever, he'll know where surge is and what he can do and what he can't do surge isn't that strong on the perimeter so he'll go out there and facilitate or shoot that's really the beauty of draymond he can he can create stuff from inside or outside and he can he can just read his defender and know which way to go i mean yep. yeah jeez I, I really don't have any idea sarah like surge <laughs> isn't he like the best call really i mean i'm just like imagining him trying to chase draymond though and it it yeah, doesn't exactly. Look good. Yeah. <laughs> no, not at all. KD? Yeah, I mean, that's possible, I guess. That could be interesting. And then hide yeah. Ibaka or Adams on Harrison Barnes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I would actually live with that. Yeah, that's a good point. I was going to say Adams, definitely over Ibaka, because I think he's got the lateral foot speed to keep up with Dre, even on the perimeter. And that'll keep Ibaka close to the basket as your rim protector. I mean, Golden State doesn't use bogut all that much in terms of offense like he's definitely the defensive presence there so mm. i don't think it's not like golden state's just gonna dump it down to bogut every time and have him back down to baka you know like i don't think you're gonna get mm. not gonna get abused if you're putting adams away from the rim and i feel like he has a better chance against stray i i'm also curious to see if ns Cantor is at all useful in the series because he was really good against san antonio especially the Cantor adams front court but I don't know how that works against Golden State's lineup of death. <laughs> if Dre's at the five, can you play two bigs against them? Probably not. I mean, Ennis Cantor against Draymond would be a clinic. Yeah. A complete clinic. I wouldn't I wouldn't even trust that matchup at all if I'm Billy Donovan. Right. I, 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 I would probably hide Cantor on Bogut as much as I possibly could. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at some point, they'll make switches. At some point, you'll have to get guys out there. And, and 
un we are inevitably going to see cancer guarding Greymont at, at some possession and at some at some time and we're gonna laugh our asses off afterwards yeah it's gonna be the first televised murder in nba history <laughs> yeah but really kd i mean the more that i think about this he's really the answer isn't he to guarding draymond yeah but I, oh I, man that's gonna take so much out of kd i know mm -hmm. i know that's the problem i think that's the versatility of golden state i mean that's been their calling card for two years and that's really what's gonna just pose so many problems because they can they can go big with bogut and azili if they want to they can go to small and most teams just don't have the personnel to make those type of fundamental wholesale switches. OKC beat San Antonio because it went big and thrived going big, but I don't know. Now, can you switch gears? Like, I, I agree. Mm. I don't think that Cantor and Adams front court has any chance. So, are are we forgetting also a matchup here that just plays so favorably into to Golden State? Clay Thompson and Andre Robertson, if they choose to go with Robertson on Clay, like we saw when Curry was out, how much Clay just stepped up. Yeah, and he created his own shot, and he was yep. just he was cooking, man. He was really cooking. Yeah. And against Robertson, he he can do it. He can do the exact same. I know it's not CJ McCollum, but I would argue that CJ McCollum is quicker, more agile than, than Robertson at least. I think Clay eats him for breakfast, and I wouldn't even mm. be surprised if Clay ends up being the leading scorer of the entire series. Wow, he was so good against Portland; it's unbelievable. Yeah, he was. He he would run off like fourteen straight points. I was impressed with what Robertson did on Kawhi, though. I thought, yeah. Sarah, you could probably speak to this better than I can, but I thought he actually did. I mean, Kawhi had that monster game one, but. Like, Robertson really prevented Kawhi from getting into the flow of the offense until too late. Like, in Game 6, he kind of tried to take over once they were down 25, and he started forcing the action and mm -hmm. getting close to the basket. But, yeah, I mean, I was I, I was personally impressed by Robertson. I mean, you know, Clay is just such an elite scorer that I, no matter how good Robertson is on defense, he's Clay's still probably going to get 20 a game. But... The question is, is it on, like, 12 shots or is it on 25? Yeah, I agree, Brian. Uh, I definitely want to give Andre some, some credit because he did defend Kawhi really well. Uh, I think he could defend Clay pretty well as also. Uh, I'll be a little salty here, though, and say that he was allowed to hand-check the shit out of Kawhi. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and apparently it was it's all of a sudden legal again. Uh, his forearm was on Kawhi's waist a lot, but he, he defended him really well, and he played so great in that final game, which, by the way, is one reason that, you know, of course they've beaten my team twice now, but that's one reason that I just don't enjoy the Thunder. I'm not interested in the Thunder. It's cause I, feel like, I feel like they have that potential all the time, and they never yeah. figure it out unless they're playing the Spurs in the playoffs. That's when they just <laughs> put it all together, and Ibaka shoots 11 for 11, or Roberson shoots 3 of 4 from 3, or some crazy thump. Anyway, let me stop before I swear again. Um, anyway. You're not salty at all, though. Not at all. But yeah, no, I think he can defend Clay well. The thing with the Warriors is they kind of eliminate matchups in one-on-one -on -one basketball. They're going to run him through 8 million screens. There's going to mm. be switches. And it's not going to matter because, you know, back in the day before Kerr showed up, 
before they decided to start playing Draymond all the time. The Spurs always played the Warriors well because they had Danny Green and they had Kawhi. Kawhi always, you know, I wouldn't say shut down Clay, but he kind of held him close enough in check that, you know, everything else worked out okay for the Spurs. But that no longer is allowed to happen. You're not going to put your best defender on one of the Splash Brothers and have it stay that way. The the Warriors know how to get to what they want. So that's that's the biggest issue with them. That's a really good point. Quickly, let's let's go predictions here. Sarah, what do you see this series going? God. <laughs> I'm the worst at predictions, in case you guys don't know. <laughs> uh, let's see. I, st- I honestly kind of expect the Warriors to romp because I, yep. I think that the Thunder no longer playing the Spurs are going to revert back. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I don't know, I'll, I'll be generous and say Warriors in six. Okay. Martin, how about you? Well, you know, first of all, I agree with both your points about Robertson playing well, also on Kawhi. But I think because Kawhi, he was – uh, burdened a little bit with with so much responsibility mm-hmm. offensively mm-hmm. Uh, that that carried into it a little bit, that's and I true. don't think that's the case with Clay. So I think Clay is going to exploit the hell out of, hell out of it. Right. And I could see the Warriors take it in five, but like yeah. Sarah, I'm going to allow for some margin of error mm-hmm. and go six games for the yeah. Warriors. Yeah, I want to go the same, but I, I'm screw it. I'm, I'm saying Warriors in five. I really think. Oh, you know what? I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you guys. Like, my heart says Warriors in six, but my gut just tells me that the Warriors, after getting Curry back, you know, he missed a good chunk of the first two rounds. I think they are not screwing around. And they, you know, this OKC team probably caught their attention with how they dominated the Spurs. So I think they're going to be on their game. They'll take the first two in Oracle, they'll split in OKC, and then they're going to win game five book their ticket back to the finals to play the Cleveland Cavaliers again because as we know whoever the Cavs play in the Eastern Conference Finals it's not going to matter we are recording this on a Sunday so game seven of the Miami Toronto series has yet to happen but let's be honest guys like it I mean the Cavs doesn't matter no right like the Cavs I I don't even care who they play I'm gonna say the Cavs in four right maybe they (laughs) maybe whoever they play gets a game but Nothing I've seen from Miami or Toronto, especially without their starting centers, suggests that they're going to do anything against the Cavs. So I honestly don't even want to talk about Game 7 here because there's <laughs> nothing to say that we haven't already said. So instead, we're going to play a free agency quick hitter game because Miami in particular has a bunch of free agents coming up this offseason. So I'm going to say a name, then I want you guys to say how much you would feel comfortable paying them in free agency this year. Under the new cap. So under, yeah, just to, under yeah, a, a yeah. projected $92 million cap. So that will yeah. increase the value slightly. So, Morton, I'm going to start with you. DeMar DeRozan. Oh, I had a feeling you would start out with DeMar. Yep. <laughs> under the new cap, $18 million a year. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't hate that, actually. Because he he'd be eligible for about $25 million, I believe. Yeah. So, yeah, I think if you get him anything under twenty. Yeah, and and it's also like you're not you're not being unrealistic in the sense because he's still a twenty three point scorer, and you just know that kind of score is going to get paid, right? I mean, someone is going to 
like the Sixers, for example, they're they're gonna be interested in a guy like that. Ugh, don't. I mean, please don't <laughs> go down that road. Brian Colangelo drafted Demar. Believe me, it is every night before I go to sleep, I have a nightmare of Demar Derozan <laughs> in a Sixers jersey. Luckily, it sounds like he wants to go to the Lakers, and I think they're gonna max him out. So let's hope that happens. But yeah, I, I agree. You, I, based on what I've seen, I mean. He just can't shoot. You don't want to shoot a guard who can't shoot. Like that's it's as easy as that. You can't play a shoot a guard who can't hit a three pointer and pay him a max contract. So I'm with you. I would not want to pay DeRozan anywhere near a max. Sarah, you talked about the Spurs needing a big. How about Bismack Biombo? Sure. <laughs> uh, I would pay him four dollars. No, I have no idea. Y'all, y'all know I'm not good with money, right? So. <laughs> Just think of me like Vladdy. I don't know what the hell's going on half the time. <laughs> okay. Everyone gets a max. <laughs> oh, that was gold. That was good. That was I, good. Look, I'm not going to come up with figures that make any damn sense. I don't know <laughs> how the new cap is going to affect stuff. I know there's going to be a lot of money to throw around. But as far as anything less general than that, I got nothing. I'm I'm gonna take Biombo then. I'm gonna say eight million a year. Oh, that's I, low. I know, I know, but I I'm still worried about him offensively. I don't know that he can. Yeah. You know, like what? No, I get that. And you uh, need you eight? just need such a specific situation in which he's going to thrive. I don't know if he is your starting center that you're gonna be great on the glass. He's a pretty good shot blocker, but it's not like he's DeAndre Jordan where it's like all right, you just throw it down low and he's going to dunk everything. I mean, maybe I would go up to $10 million, but, I mean, this, by the way, should be an example of just how screwy things are going to get this summer <laughs> because, what, Bismarck signed for, looks like two years, $5.5 million with a player option this year that he's assuredly going to decline. So he, he got less than $3 million a year last yeah. year, and now he's probably looking at an eight-figure annual salary this time around. I mean, look, he had a career high in scoring rate, in rebounding rate from the free-throw line. I This guy, he is looking better and better and better. I just think NBA teams are going to pick up on that and they're going to offer him a hell of a lot more than $8 million, though. Yeah, you're both. Like, if you could... You're both need a salary. Hey, possibly... I'd rather him than Pau Gasol. Yeah, yeah. Ten million for like, him versus twenty yeah. is Pau. I think it's a clear choice Definitely. right there. Definitely, I would, I would, I would not mind Bismack Biombo in Chicago at all. I really think he is a a really he's a terrific defensive minded player, and it seems like his offense is slowly coming along a little bit. Though I do have my reservations about it, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. All right, Martin. We'll do two more here. So the first, <laughs> Dwayne Wade. Oh, you are giving me the tough ones here today because sure Dwayne, you know, I, I've thought about Dwayne as a free agent for a while now and I just can't peg him down. Yeah. Like then he goes all 2009 on Charlotte's ass, right? Right. Yeah. And, th- and, and this series too, he's been pretty damn good against Toronto. Yeah. All right. Like right now at this point in time, it's 921 and tip off for game seven against Miami and Toronto is in nine minutes. And if he goes 2009 Wade again tonight... In nine minutes' time, 
that is going to bump up that salary of his for the next few years. And I know he was holding out last year, hoping to get more. Miami is probably going to pay him like a lifetime achievement award contract mm-hmm. thing. Would you be surprised if he got a four-year deal worth $22 million? Oh, 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 oh my I know God. it's a hell of a lot of it's oh. a hell of a lot of money, but would you be surprised to see Miami do that as sort of a good faith thing? Uh, I wouldn't. I mean, just a four year deal for a guy that age. Oh, I know. You're asking and you could, for like, trouble. Make the, like the final year, two final year could be like team options or like some sort of non guaranteed whatever. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, so the problem is for Miami. They don't have early, or they only have early bird rights on Hassan Whiteside, so they can't exceed the yeah. salary cap to re-sign him. And Dwayne Wade has a massive cap hold this year, so they're going to have to handle Wade and Luol Deng before turning to Whiteside. But if you give yeah. Wade that kind of money, you're almost guaranteeing that you lose Whiteside. So if you go the four-year yeah. deal route, maybe you give him like four years, sixty million. Otherwise, I could see. I mean, he has—he's getting paid twenty million this year. Like, God, two years, fifty million. That's. Uh. But is—but is he going to take sixty million over four years, though? Like, remember last year he was holding out. Yeah. He felt right. Disrespected. Yeah. Like that was—that was the worth being thrown around by the media, at least. He yeah. felt disrespected, and he settled. In his word, I believe, settled for a right. one-year, one twenty year. million dollar deal. When you settle for twenty million, it means you're looking for far more than that next year. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a shitstorm. Yeah, there's no shortage of teams with the money to sign him, and based on how he's played in the playoffs, we'll we'll throw it back to Vlade Sarah over there. Like, I think the Kings <laughs> are gonna they would immediately sign him to a three year max, wouldn't they? Like, totally. Like, oh, yeah. Totally. So you you have a point. I I if I'm the Heat, I'm looking to get him at a discount just so I can keep Whiteside. Um, but I don't know how plausible that is, but. Whiteside's the last one I want to tackle. I mean, personally, I'm maxing him. I, I have no hesitation doing it. What about you guys? Oh, oh, yeah. No, I'm probably gonna do it too. Even though I'm, I'm not happy about it. I'm yeah. not really that happy about it. I mean, he does still have some some issues. Right. He maturity issues, chemistry issues. Yep. He doesn't really fit the mold of the new center. Yeah. He's... But no, he's just you know. He's too damn talented not mm-hmm. to, right? Yeah. 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 I, yeah. 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 I think anybody who wants him, like you said, they're probably going to have to max him. But yeah. yeah, you shouldn't be psyched about it because some of the things that come out of his mouth. But <laughs> you know what, though? It, you, you're joking about Sacramento, but that would be hilarious, him and Boogie, if they could have oh them together. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, my God. He was drafted there. Oh, yeah, man. he was. That's true. Yeah, that would be a chemistry nightmare. It would be so fun. I, I would actually watch the Kings. <laughs> that would be a nightly league pass alert. Yeah, that's actually a, uh, a good way for us to seg into our Where Amazing Happens segment. Once again, coaching themed, because we've got a couple, two hires and one abrupt resignation. So we'll start in Sacramento, where the Kings hired Memphis's Dave Yeager. Uh, Jaeger stepped down, I believe, on the previous Saturday, and the Kings hired him two days later. So if 
the Kings bring in Whiteside to pair with Boogie, I think we all have to say a prayer to Jaeger, right? <laughs> oh, oh, we're saying a prayer regardless. To Sacramento. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But based on the personalities that he had to handle during his time in Memphis, like when Zebo came, he had some reputation issues. This past season alone, he had Matt Barnes and Lance Stevenson on his team. I think, you know, Tony Allen has even threatened to, like, flagrant foul mike conley if he leaves memphis this summer <laughs> so so it's not like jaeger is not experienced with some colorful personalities we'll put it that way so i kind of love this hire for the kings i mean not only does he have that working in his favor but he's also like he dragged that memphis team this year they had no business making the playoffs once once uh Marcus Gasol and Mike Conley went down and he dragged them across the finish line. So it's like, he's been a very successful coach over the past couple of years. I mean, the whole, the, the question is, can you connect with Boogie? Because the one coach that did Mike Malone, that was the best the Kings have looked in years. And then Boogie got, what do you have? Meningitis, I think. And was out for two weeks and they fired him. And now it's been straight downhill <laughs> since. So the, the kinks, everybody. Clap, yep. clap, clap. Yep. Yeah, but uh, are the personalities the biggest problem? Because I'd be more concerned about the front office. Yeah, so that's I agree. a good point. Like, that's coaching is not really the problem here. Oh, well, okay, George Carl wasn't helping in that regard. But I do think Dave Yeager is the 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 way to finding the correct path, if the, if you catch my drift. He's like the the very a very nice first step now you just need to find out what the hell you're doing in the front office Mm -hmm. what the hell what kind of role ownership really should have maybe vivek ranadive should just take a chill pill once in a while yeah but yeah at least jaeger has the potential to being that stable dude in the entire managerial level so that's that's a positive sign and i agree i think he is by far the best coach you brought in since mike malone to handle bookie and I could totally see Boogie and Jaeger hit it off. Yeah. I mean, personally, I'm hoping they don't because I want Boogie to get the hell out of Sacramento and I want him to get <laughs> traded. So I, I love Boogie. And, you know, I, I don't wish ill upon Jaeger either, but I want Boogie free. So we'll see what happens there. You know, you mentioned stability, and one place there is not stability right now is the Orlando Magic as scott skiles (laughs) so it sounds like from what i've read magic personnel expected him to go to the draft combine on wednesday and then thursday out of the blue he decides he's gonna resign and he doesn't want the job so that's not great it sounds (laughs) like frank vogel is the hot name in the coaching search but uh, Patrick Ewing, Adrian Griffin, and James Borrego, the latter of whom was the interim coach there for a little bit, have also surfaced as other candidates. Who would you guys like to see end up in Orlando? Well, Patrick Ewing has had such a rich history with the Orlando Magic. Remember when he played there? I, My God, that was such a wasted season. Now, I would like to see Pat get a, get a try for a head coaching gig. But Frank Vogel is such a tough guy to turn down, if you ask me. He is so good. I I, I think he is by far the best guy on the market right now. And I think Orlando would be silly to not sign him if they get a chance. But, like, what the hell with Scott Skiles? That came out of freaking nowhere. It really did. Well, there are rumblings. 
at one point apparently that i think it was in january where he said he like went to J- uh, rob hennigan the general manager and expressing second thoughts about taking the job it sounds like there were some conflict between him and the front office especially with alfred payton um the front office believes payton is the point guard of the future Skiles very much did not, which at least partially explains that otherwise inexplicable Tobias Harris trade for Brandon Jennings. Seems like it was to get Skiles another point guard not named Alfred Payton. So, I mean, the the Magic have said their top priority is bringing in a defensive-minded coach, so it seems like Vogel really fits the bill there. But, yeah, I mean, as a Georgetown guy... I'm a huge homer. I want Pat Patty Ewing to get a job somewhere. It doesn't sound like it's going to be the Knicks. So Sarah, I can't disagree with anything that you guys have said as far as Vogel. Um, I don't really have a preference though. I'm with Brian. I wouldn't mind seeing Patrick get a shot, but I really don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm so tired right now, y'all. For real, whoever ends up coaching Orlando, I could care less. Could not. Us. Sorry. <laughs> That's fair. All right. Well, we, we'll touch on the one other one then. Uh, this broke Saturday night. Indiana has promoted Nate McMillan, who is an assistant coach there, to be its new head coach. And my only reaction is WTF. Like what? What? So Larry Bird, when he got or didn't renew uh, Vogel's contract basically made it sound like we want a guy who's more offensively minded who's going to run more small ball who's going to run faster and john schumann of nba.com shared this great chart last night in nine of his 10 full seasons his teams have ranked in the bottom six in pace so from (laughs) 2005 onward they were 28th 29th 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 30th and 30th that's not good. Not good. So to be fair, in that 10 years, he had four top five offenses and he was seventh uh, in 2009, 2010. So it's not like his slow pace is necessarily, it's not a death knell. Like he can have an efficient offense with a very slow pace, but it really doesn't seem to fit the mold of what Larry Bird wants. No, not at all. And it's a weird signing. Um, also one that came out of nowhere. Uh, yeah. I hadn't even heard rumblings about it at all. No. And like Nate McMillan, like, I, I actually liked his stint in Portland. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think he, I don't think he got the fullest out of the, the roster though, but I, I, I thought he was on his way to maximizing the effort of the roster. Whether he's going to pick that up with Indiana and their roster is kind of in a flux. You don't even know if Paul George is going to be there long term. I don't know. It it seems like a stepping stone higher. Like you you use him for now, and in a year or two, you're you're gonna get someone else. I just can't imagine Indiana looking at McMillan as the long term coach on the sideline. If they have any aspirations of making a deep run into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, in McMillan's defense for Portland, you know he had the whole Brandon Roy knee saga. Um, oh yeah. So that yeah. that definitely didn't help, and then they the whole Greg Oden over Kevin Durant thing. So, I mean, that team, like, they could have had a big three of Roy, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Oden, and they could have been a lot better. So, you know, the roster itself 
is not his fault. Um, I mean, it is worth noting he's never, or he's, one time he's had a top 10 defense, and that's really where Indiana has been making its name for the last half decade under Vogel. So even if he runs a faster pace and gets the offense going, I wonder if it's going to have negative effects defensively, you know, especially if you're going into the season thinking Miles Turner is your starting five. I mean, I love the kid. I thought he was excellent, but it's a lot of responsibility to put on a second-year player who's still kind of skinny. Um, So (laughs) kind of, yeah, (laughs) yeah. So I'm, I'm just kind of, I, I just don't. I mean, it doesn't even seem like, you know, all these other teams, the Kings and the Rockets especially, have been leaking like all of these reports about who they're interviewing. You know, like the Kings have interviewed everyone before they hired Jaeger and the Rockets still have an opening. Yeah. As you said, Morton, like there was no smoke behind this. Like all of a sudden it was just like, Oh, okay. We have Nate McPhillan as our head coach. Like it doesn't seem like they had a fully full interview process, which reminds me of the Sixers and their new GM search (laughs) and how well that worked out. So yeah, that's just the wild West. It's been the wild West of the NBA lately. It really has. It's is so many weird stuff coming out of the woodworks like and jb bakerstaff you know renouncing his rights to go after right. the rockers job like yeah. you know it's the coaching carousel just moves on and next year is probably going to get even worse it's oh yeah i, I would really love to see more coaching stability mm-hmm. in the nba yeah but to, you know to it's about that time to wrap up the podcast and brian i just have to make one note before we wrap up yeah you actually inspired me a little bit uh-oh. In in the sense of uh, going back to the Thunder Warriors series, when you said that the Warriors are probably going to look at, at OKC as like, okay, this is a team we just got to kick the living poop out of, mm-hmm. and we're going to be ready. And I was trying to be very non-controversial, and I started thinking, you know what? Screw it. Dubs in four. <laughs> Dubs in four. Wow. Sweet, wow. baby. Sweet. There we go. All right. That is... What a note to end on. There we go. All right. Well, thanks again, listeners, for joining us. This is the NBA podcast presented by B-Ball Breakdown. Be sure to check out bballbreakdown.com for all of your playoff coverage. We've had recaps of every game. Sure, we'll have series previews once this Eastern Conference semifinals mercifully wraps up. Next time we record, it will be after the draft lottery. So I will either be in a great mood or I will be silent for the entire hour. Until then, Morton and Sarah, it's always great talking to you guys. Likewise, Bri. Great to talk to you. All right, take care. Welcome to Total Wine and More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine and More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in store or online at TotalWine.com. Welcome to Total Wine and More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine and More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. 
Shop in store or online at TotalWine.com. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations.